Hello, 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 guys. Welcome back to Shades of Strong with your lovely hosts, Cheryl and Natty. Hey, Natty, what is up, darling? How is all the things in your world? How are all the things <laughs> in your world? What is <laughs> happening, girl? What's going on? Hey, doing what I got to do, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling y'all, it's been, God, it's been exhausting. That is the only yeah that i have to describe what i have been feeling for the last few weeks and it's been it's been kind of like a i don't even know where the exhaustion is coming from type exhausting so i can't even tell y'all why i'm exhausted i just know i am physically mentally emotionally exhausted and so that's why that's why natty and i did not drop a new episode last week because we needed a mental health break. <laughs> so yeah, we did. We 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 took a mental I'm just health as break. As I'm are. telling you, it's I don't know. It's just like since March, since this whole coronavirus thing has come in, I don't have the the energy that I usually have. I've gained about ten mm-hmm. pounds eating and snacking, mm-hmm. and it's just like it's it's been everything. And so I say that to say this: <laughs> if you guys are experiencing <laughs> any of that, take a moment to just breathe. And by moment, I mean, whatever moment is for you. If you need a day, if you need a couple of days, take whatever you need to take care of you. And May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So be mindful of how you're treating yourself, not just in May, but every day, especially during during this quarantine time. And I know a, a few states are slowly opening back up. Mississippi is gradually doing a little doing a little stuff here and there, but we are basically still on quarantine and it's like I say, it, it has been truly exhausting. So yeah, we didn't drop an episode last week, but we did do but we did do a replay episode, which I thought was very appropriate for Mental Health Awareness Week, where we did had a whole conversation about that in season two. And I'm not gonna recap it right now. But anyway, we didn't leave y'all hanging. We gave you something. And on that note, <laughs> Natty and I want to just just give you guys like a big fat thank you for hanging in here with us because we are on yeah. season three and you guys have really been holding us down. We appreciate your support. We appreciate y'all, those of you guys who have subscribed. We appreciate all of that. We appreciate you sharing it with your friends and all of that goodness. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We could not do this without your love and your support and without you telling your cousin and them to come listen in. We appreciate all of that. So to our new subscribers, welcome, welcome, welcome to the SOS Queendom. Oh, I just made that up. Oh, I love to the SOS. Yeah, oh, that's Queendom, great. Y'all. Yes, come that's on really in. Cute. That was <laughs> yeah. really cute. Yeah. Anywho, <laughs> <laughs> we are about to dive into a new episode, and y'all know how we do. Welcome to Shades of Strong, where we talk about all the things that shape, make, and sometimes break the strong black woman. Follow us on all social media platforms where Shades of Strong everywhere. I'm Cheryl. She's Natty. Hey, y'all. Tell your cousin and them to tune in, too. All right? All right. So tonight, we are going to be talking about... See how my energy come up when I get into the SOS queendom? 
Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and that helps anyway, me. <laughs> girl, yes, it, it makes a difference. So I guess it's the whole we all need human contact thing, even if it's not physical contact yeah. to be touching and, you know, doing what we do with humans. Because, yeah, girl, it's been real. But anyway, mm-hmm. in the last few weeks, we have been talking about emotional trauma and abuse. And Natty and I have shared some of our own personal experiences and how we overcome that. We had Janine to come in a couple of weeks ago and she, oh my gosh, she told such a, told such a powerful story. And so we're very appreciative for her coming in and trusting us and you guys with her story. But this week we want to kind of talk about how that the residual, the the residual effects of emotional trauma and abuse can be passed down to our children and how we often pass that down, not even realizing that that's what we're doing. And I think you'll hear people say generational trauma. You'll hear people say generational curses and things of that sort. And for me, that just means that in a nutshell, hurt people hurt people. (laughs) And so basically it, uh, any yeah. any unresolved hurt and pain and trauma will eventually or essentially get passed down to your children if you don't deal with that thing. So what are your thoughts on that? Have you experienced that in your own family where you've seen maybe some, some behavior in yourself that kind of is a result of something that happened to you in, in the past and maybe you are kind of sort of air quotes passing that down? To your children? Yeah. You know, I've been a mom now for 23 years. And, you know, when you first start out, especially being, you know, young and everything, it's weird how you think you have everything figured out. I don't know why we think that. We, But we think that in our 20s, that we've got everything figured out. And we really don't. And so you, I think for me, I, I just kind of followed my mom's lead or her example, and not to say that it was a bad example, because there were a lot of things that I, I really do believe she did right. There are a lot of things that I think my dad did right, but there were also some things that they did wrong, and I picked up those things too. And it, it's been a journey through these 23 years of motherhood to realize, hey, wait a minute, that actually isn't healthy for your kids. That actually isn't healthy for you. Like, for example, my, my youngest daughter, she has, she has a lot. I mean, she's, she's very young. She just turned eight last week and she has a lot of anxiety. And I never thought before last year that I had problems with anxiety. I knew that I had problems with depression, but I didn't really think about how I had a lot of anxiety issues as well. There are a lot of things that ways that I kind of move through life and those ways involve a lot of trauma responses that are just kind of unconscious, less unconscious now, now that I'm kind of noticing and being aware, trying to be more aware. I I wonder if the reason, one of the reasons why she's having, she has so many struggles with just a lot of almost irrational fear is because she has seen me, even when I didn't realize I was doing it, exhibiting a lot of irrational fear and that's a hard pill that's a hard pill for me to swallow because like well the way we just like we talked several weeks ago we deal with a lot of mom guilt anyway and so i yeah that really that really makes me feel 
like awful. I also know that anxiety can be, um, it can be hereditary and there can be all kinds of factors. It can be literally hormonal or chemical factors, just like with depression. That, that doesn't change the fact that sometimes I wonder, I'm like, wow, has she just seen me just go off the rails enough times <laughs> that she's like, hey, I'm going off the rails. I don't really know what I know is that, like we've said many times before, the only person that we can change is ourselves. So I've been doing a lot of work lately to kind of reparent myself and to be very gentle with myself and to think more about how I was as a child and all the ways in which I felt like I was wrong as a child and to kind of bring those pieces into, into the light and just really deal very gently with those pieces because that's still me. And if I can do that, even halfway effectively, I think my outlook and just my own mental well-being can change, can improve and be a lot more whole. And maybe that can make a difference for my daughter. Because, you know, you you've, everybody's got their own energy and ha- what they're, you know, just, it's always there. And like, you can walk into a room and if everyone's kind of, or some, you're in a room with another person, if they're upset, then after a while you feel that. And, or if they're down, you feel that. And if they're happy, you feel that. So, especially in a time like this, where we're, you know, kind of, we're self-isolating or we're, you know, sheltering in place, as they say, I've been doing a lot of work on myself with that, giving myself a lot of time to rest too, in the hopes that I can do better with regulating my own emotions, but also in the hopes that that can kind of register, I guess, with my, with my daughter and with all my children, but especially her, because I guess the way she exhibits um, how she's feeling is definitely more, it's more overt than my other kids. Honestly, I think we all unconsciously do it. I'll just use myself for an example. When when my daughter was molested by her dad, right? And Mm -hmm. remember how how I said that, you know, there were things that I feel like I should have paid more attention to. That was a sign. You Mm should have noticed that and things like that. And so even as, as my children have children, like for instance, one of my daughters is like, so-and-so is going to spend the night at her friend's house tonight. I'm immediately triggered. I'm like, mm-hmm. do you know these people? Do you know what goes on over there? Is there a man in the house? I think it's us re- reenacting our past trauma. And it causes us to not think rationally. Even though you do need to be careful, I think I begin to question my, my daughters about these things and and sometimes I can see the aggravation on their face, like, Ma, I got this. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I'm like, I need to protect these grandchildren from what happened to my oldest daughter. I think that's the way that we project our trauma yeah. onto our children. And we do it unconsciously. I didn't even realize that I was doing it actually until. I decided I wanted to have this this conversation, honestly, because I'm like, mm-hmm. let me search, let me search myself and see 
if I'm still experiencing some of those things. So that was one of the things that came up for me when I was thinking about this particular topic. Another thing that came up for me, I was actually lying in the bed the other day and one of my youngest daughter, she had an appointment and she's always telling me, mom, I'm grown. You don't have to do this. You don't have to remind me of this. You don't have to things like that. And I be trying to remember that she, she about to be 21. Mm-hmm. You don't have to send her a text message and say, hey, you know, you need to do this on this day. You don't have to do those things. You don't have to make sure she set her alarm to be at this appointment on time. You don't have to do those things. Sure. But it's so hard for me to get from get away from that. And the reason it's hard for me to get away from it is because I can remember being married and I always set the alarm in my house for my now ex-husband to get up and be at work on time. He had to be at work at like three or four o'clock in the morning, I think. So he had to get up fairly early. Mm -hmm. So it was always my responsibility to set the alarm and make sure he got up on time. But one time I forgot to do it, or I think the alarm went off and I hit snooze. I Mm -hmm. thought I hit snooze, but I actually hit stop. And so there was this big to-do when he was mad, he was angry. And so for me, when it hit me in when I was thinking about it that morning was that you're doing this because you're still responding to the way he treated you. So in, in my mind, I was thinking mm-hmm. if I don't if I don't remind her that she has this appointment, then she's going to be angry. If she misses, she's going to blame me for her missing it. That makes sense. She's going to blame me if she misses this appointment and be like, Mom, why didn't why didn't you remind me? And so there again, that's me projecting that experience of trauma onto her. When she wants me to just let her go because I'm about to be 21 now, you got to let me take on some of these things myself. But I'm like, let me make sure she doesn't forget about this because the last time I didn't make sure that somebody didn't get up when they were supposed to get up, then this big horrible thing. And the man was already abusive, horrible Mm -hmm. thing took place. And so now that's me trying to make sure that that doesn't happen again. Not that she's ever exhibited any type of behavior like that, but I think it's just. A, a protective mechanism for me of sorts. Yeah. yeah. We do a lot of projecting. Yeah, we do. We a, lot, do. a lot of projecting, especially with just all of the young Black men and women that have been getting killed, mm-hmm. either by police or by that aren't police and stuff like that. It makes me super nervous. And I have felt this way, honestly, since for the last five years. I've, mm-hmm. I've been really leery. And so when my oldest son would go for a walk or you walk to some place or the movie theater is within walking distance. Uh-huh. So the past couple of years we've been going to, we go to the movies a lot and sometimes we would go to the matinees and we would walk. And then there'd be some movies that he's like, well, I'm going to go to the matinee because it's just a movie he was interested in. So he would walk and then he's taken his baby brother and they've gone out in the evening and to the movie theater and come back. And every time he leaves, I'm saying some version of be careful or stay safe or be safe. And, and I'm wringing my hands when I feel like they should be home by now. And and I don't want to live like that. And I certainly don't want to live. I don't want to live in fear, but it's, it's a real thing. And then, and then I project, I'm projecting it onto him every time I'm like, okay, we'll be careful or, okay. You know, like I'm almost, I hate to say it, but it's almost like you're expecting something to go wrong. And I don't want to do that, but that is a, I think that's a form of, of projection and we do it all the time. And that is definitely, you know, projecting, this is just my opinion because I don't, 
I took one psychology class in college and almost became a psychology major and didn't <laughs> because I majored in music instead. But so this is just my opinion. I don't know. I know that I don't know what I don't know, but right. I feel like when we are projecting like that, that act of projecting is a trauma response. It is we a trauma are, response. Yeah. We're dealing with the things that have already happened in the past, or for me, just seeing all the stuff in the news. And it seems like the minute I start to feel a little bit better, the wound gets opened again and salt gets poured in it because here we are yet again with the stuff in the news. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh dear God. So again, like what I was saying before, this is work, inner work that I have to do because I don't want to project onto my children, my own fears, and then them grow up feeling fearful like that because they got it from me. I want them to feel as free and as carefree and as as safe or whatever as as they can. And I know I'm not helping anything by, by doing that. So I have to do my own inner work. I have to, like I said, I have to do the work to reparent myself and to comfort that little girl that was scared of so many things for so many reasons, because there was very real trauma in my life. And I think one of the key things with that is, I'll say it again, just really learning to be very, very gentle with ourselves. Because when we start to feel those things, I don't know about you, but I have this voice that comes up and just kind of starts scolding me for even being that way. And you should know better or this and that and the other. And that doesn't really, that doesn't help us, us constantly criticizing ourselves or judging ourselves for our emotions or the way we feel is not the way to deal with our emotions. I don't want to scold my kids when they're scared about something or they, they feel really hurt. I want to comfort them. So learn to comfort myself and be gentle with myself when those emotions come up because good or bad or right or wrong, those emotions also protected me from a lot of things through the years. And so I'm at a place now where I'm like, okay, but I don't actually need this to continue to survive. I might have needed it when I was younger for a very specific and very real reason, but Mm -hmm. I have other tools now, and those are the things that I want to hone and strengthen and nourish. Right. And I think all of that goes back to the fact that we, as women, it's normal for us to just bury that pain. And when we Mm. bury that pain and that trauma, that it begins to manifest itself in every area of our lives, including the way we interact and engage with our children when there is mm-hmm. unresolved pain then that affects how we parent that affects right it, it affects how we love and so that mm-hmm. so all of that ge- that generational not generation all of that emotional trauma is spilling out out of our cup into their cups and so what we're yeah. doing what we're doing is we're teaching them how to behave and how to engage because if they see mom mm-hmm. freaking out every time a man comes in the presence of of a small child or or even a teenager then they 
they're naturally going to begin to do that same thing. Well, maybe this is something, this is something that I need to pay attention to. And then that, then, then here this daughter is, she's passing it down to her daughter and her daughter is saying, maybe this is something that I need to pay attention to. So it's like you were saying that we're constantly living and breathing from that, that place of fear and that place mm-hmm. where, oh, this horrible thing happened and it's probably going to happen again. And so until we can get to get to a point where we're willing to dig up, start digging up the pieces of that pain and start dealing with those things, we are going to continue to pass that pain and trauma down to our children. And that's where the word generational curses come from, because a curse is nothing more than unresolved issues and wounds that we pass down to our children and family members. So my my question to you, Natty, do you think that the mother-daughter experience is different from when it comes to passing trauma down? Do you think that we're more likely to pass it down to our daughters than we are to our son? Oh, that's a really good question. That's a that's a loaded question. We're always talking about my daughter, my daughter, my daughter, but do you think we do you think we pass this trauma down to our sons as well? I think in a way we definitely do. The easy answer would be like, yeah, we obviously do. We definitely pa- we pass it down to them both equally, but I'm not so sure it's that cut and dry. I know for for me, both of my sons seem I don't I don't want to say detached. That's not the word. That's not they definitely seem more unbothered. And my older daughter too. She seems more unbothered. But my sons definitely seem a lot more just un phased, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they, they were not that, neither one of them was that way when they were small. They were very emotional when they were small. You know, they both, they could both cry at the drop of a hat and they just seemed, they just seemed very sensitive. And I'm not saying that like it's a bad thing. You know, th- there was nothing wrong with them being sensitive, but they, they were, and they were sensitive to the point where they were sensitive with other people. Like they, they both showed a lot of empathy at an early age. Mm-hmm. Like they, they genuinely felt bad for other people when something happened and someone was hurt. You know, my younger son, he's, he would be very giving and he would, you know, and he would be very uh, like, oh, there were t- a lot of times when, you know, we were really struggling financially and sometimes it would be around Christmas and he would, you know, we would ask him, you know, what he wanted for Christmas. And he was like, oh, it doesn't really matter. I'll be happy with whatever I get. And it was just kind of like, what? You know, okay. he, it wasn't like a, you know, so he, it just seemed like they both kind of seemed like older souls, so to speak, especially my oldest and other people would say, it seems like he's been here before, that kind of thing. And now that they're older, you know, my oldest son is, is 23 and my my younger son is uh, 14. They just seem much more even keel not that they don't get emotional about things or they don't get upset but the way they exhibit it is very different now my older son is still a little bit more high strung i guess um he he can he'll be very vocal when something's bothering him but my younger son i'm i'm noticing that if he just kind of checks out and i'm not saying that like that's good or bad he just he just kind of checks out and then my older daughter also is very very quiet and just very it just seems like i don't know not that she seems sad or angry or anything she doesn't ever seem like that but it's just like i don't know 
if she's ever going to tell me anything ever. <laughs> like, you know, she just, she just seems like Fort Knox, you know? So I, I don't really know. I say that I don't think it's the same for my sons as it is for my daughters because with, and this is not necessarily right, but with, with daughters, there's this thing. I think my mom had this with me too. There's this thing where I don't ever want them to feel like they're beholden to a man. Um, I don't ever want them to feel like if if a man comes and and does something you know nice for them or kind for them that they owe them something. And you know what I mean by that? Um, mm-hmm. Like, oh, I gotta I gotta be in a relationship now with this dude because he did something kind for me or whatever. And I think just societally, there are these differences still that we're, we're still kind of learning to, to unpack and dismantle. And until we fully dismantle them, I feel like there might be deep down uh, a different kind of year that I have for my daughters than I do for my sons. And I probably am passing more of that kind of anxiety down to them. I don't want to be, but I also feel like everyone's living. <laughs> everyone's in the same family. Everyone's got the same mom. They're probably getting all getting equal amounts, hopefully just lesser as time goes on. And as I, as I continue to just move through my own healing, but yeah, you know, cause with, with, with young women, it, it's unfortunately it's different. There's all this extra layer of crap that they, that we deal with. And it's, it's really exasperating. And I have a hard time sometimes even really talking about it, you know, like with my husband, because, well, first of all, he's a man and he doesn't necessarily always get it. He tries and that's good. But I'm like, I don't want to breach. I don't want to bring up these subjects with now, like my older daughter, he's, she's 12 and have all of this this anger, I don't want to have everything I'm telling her be laced with this anger, this underlying mistrust or whatever, and pass that on to her. I want to be able to be objective and say, well, unfortunately, this is what's going on. And I just want you to be aware. And I'm just going to admit that I I don't think I'm capable of doing it yet. Yeah, me either. <laughs> nor am I because I and I'm going to answer that question too but I know for my girls and I still got work to you y'all so don't judge me but for my girls there's all when when I'm having we have admitted many times I I still got work to do (laughs) well my girls I think whenever I'm having a conversation with them about their relationship there is always, and I don't know if it comes off to them, but there's always this under undertone of you can't trust him. Don't you trust him? Make sure mm-hmm. you keep your eye on him. There's mm-hmm. always th- that undertone is always there. And like I say, I don't know if, if it comes off to them that way, but in my mind, I'm kind of sort of hoping that it does without me blatantly saying, hey, you need to keep an eye on him. And not that he's done anything that, you know, warrants me saying that. It's just my own personal experience that that makes me think that I've got to keep an eye on everybody. Now, for my son, I think I do that with him, but I do it in a different way for two 
two different ways. One is the whole police thing that that we were just that you were just talking about a little bit ago, where we're constantly on edge and we're always in in trauma mode because we're afraid that something is going to happen. And so is that thing because I know when he comes to visit me, he he still lives in Jackson and and we live in Ridgeland and Jackson is a Jackson is the capital and Ridgeland is the city outside of Jackson. And so there there are more of the Caucasians in Ridgeland. And so I'm always telling him when he comes to visit me, hurry up and get out here before it gets dark. So I think in that way, I I project because I don't want him to get stopped by police. Maybe he's not driving the right car or maybe his music may be too loud. So I'm like, hurry up and get out of region. Don't 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 be in region after dark. Get on out of here. I love you. Go back. Be careful. Don't do anything. Draw attention to yourself. So there's that that I'm constantly projecting that fear and anxiety that I'm, you know, constantly projecting on him. And then another way is where I'm constantly (laughs) please forgive me, Jesus and and my son. (laughs) I'm constantly (laughs) on him about creating a better life for himself so that he doesn't mimic the life of his dad. And so I'm Uh constantly, and and what I'm realizing in that as I, as I continue to do my own work is that perhaps I'm making him feel inadequate because Uh of my fear that he's going to be like his dad. And so Uh I think that as parents and especially as single parents, when you've done everything you know to do to raise your children right, and then you still see them not doing any doing things the way you want them to do them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or the way you think or the way you think that this will lead to a, a prosperous future for them. And so I'm always on him about, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do that. And so what I'm learning is that even when, when I'm talking to him, sometimes I can see the look on his face and he's and he he's probably like, oh, please don't let her start talking about all these things that I need to do. <laughs> and, so, oh, yeah, yeah. and so that yeah. can make him feel that it may it may be making him feel inadequate. And so I'm working on that now when he comes over. I try to really I work really, really hard to try and engage in meaningful conversation. Just about life in general, not about, you know, how's the job going? Are you up for a promotion? And things like that, you know, have you gotten a raise lately? How how's the baby doing? You know, you know, just just general conversation. That's what I'm trying to get away from the whole you're not in you're you're not you're not doing all the things I want you to do and you should be doing <laughs> because mm-hmm, I'm right and mm-hmm. you're wrong. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm really, really working on it. And I think that's how I project project my trauma onto my son because I work so diligently trying to get him to a point where he creates a great life for himself and for his child. I even do that w- with his relationships. I'm like, why are you why are you in this relationship with this person? You know she doesn't mean mean you any good. And so all of, of those things, you know. And so yeah, we do that and we do it unknowingly. But like I'm what I'm saying is like the more that Natty and I have these conversations, the more I recognize that I still have some healing and some growing to do. And so even having these conversations on, on this podcast is helping me heal and grow. So I'm eternally grateful for that. And I hope it's, it's doing the same thing for you all. But yeah, so that's my experience with my son. 
I don't think you're unique in that, Shirley. I mean, we see through, through the movie, through TV and everything, all these young men and women all talking about, you know, oh, mom's going to lay on the guilt trip and all this kind right. of stuff. <laughs> I know. Right. Um, so I feel like there's like, there's like global healing that needs to go on with that because <laughs> there have been a lot of moms. We out here like. A lot of things. Yes, yes. But I think what we we don't. But what we I think what we are not taking a nice hard look at is the fact that it could be giving off the impression that we don't think they can do the thing. You know, so they they may be internalizing negative messages. So we we need to be more cognizant of how we're communicating. And I know we do it from a place of love. So I'm going to say how we're communicating our love for them. Yeah, that's my story, y'all. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> that is what I do. Anyway, <laughs> Maddie, do you have anything you want to add to that? Because believe it or not, we are just about out of time. Uh, yeah, just the whole, I just want to reiterate, if there's one thing that we can learn um, in this life, I think it would be how to be gentle with ourselves. We can't, I'm doing this project right now. It's a hundred days and I I'm writing poems. Um, so I'm sharing a poem every single day for a hundred days. And this is like the sixth year that I've done this, but a couple of weeks ago, one of the, I wrote a poem and it, I, I said um, something along the lines of, it's going to be really hard for you to ever show real compassion to someone Uh, to anyone, if you've never really shown compassion to yourself. Right. Um, So it's really hard to be gentle with other people. Um, In this case, your children, if you've never really been gentle with yourself. And it's something that we definitely have to learn because we haven't seen a lot of examples of that. We've been taught um, by so many different means to not be gentle with ourselves and to really hate ourselves. And that's done so much damage um, to me specifically. That's the, that's just the thing that I want to, that I want to get right. I used to say, I just, this whole mothering thing, I just want to get that right. I can't get anything like that right. If I can't get, being gentle with myself. And then it goes back to what we always talk about, about loving ourselves and accepting ourselves. And that means also accepting the not so great part of parts of ourselves Absolutely. and, and, and putting our arms around those parts too. I think that's where the gentleness comes in. So I really, I just, it's my, my sincere desire that you and I and all of our listeners can get to a place where we're doing that consistently for ourselves. Absolutely. Yes, honey, we are work in progress, but the important thing is we are doing the work. And that holds mm-hmm. true for you too. The important you are doing the work. So love on yourself while you're doing the work because hey, we ain't we ain't perfect. <laughs> we're not gonna no. always get it. No. We are not gonna always get it right so yeah we're gonna get ready to wrap this up and we're gonna get ready to wrap it up 
But I do want to say this. I we do unknowingly pass trauma down to our children. And so when Natty and I are are on this show or on this podcast, it is it is we are not coming from a place of, hey, let me teach you something. We are coming. Oh from, no. We are <laughs> no. no, we are and that's why you hear so hear us share so much of our experience because we're not coming from that place of let me teach you something. We're coming from a place of, hey, let's have a conversation about this. And if you recognize yourself in the conversation that we, that we're having, it is our hope that the conversation will move you to change. So it's not about teaching. It's about having conversations that will move you to change, move you to action if you see yourself in that conversation. Okay. So anyway, I just thought I'd put that out there because we do share a lot of our experiences on, on this podcast, but that's why we do that. So anyway, so back to the trauma. Now, I personally cannot say with certainty that trauma is inherited or genetic. Studies are still being done to determine it. But what I can say for sure is that children simulate what they see us do. And what and that means that when they see see how we respond or react to a traumatic traumatic event, in more cases than not, they are going to follow in our footsteps. So I encourage you, I invite you to be more aware of how you are. What's the word I'm looking for, Natty? Be more aware of how you are responding to things that are happening into your life, not just the current things, but things that have happened in the past, just like Natty and I have shared some of our past experiences and how the the residual effects of those experiences is still spilling over into our present lives. So be mindful of those things and try Mm -hmm. to respond in a way that doesn't say, hey, somebody hurt me, just be, just be more conscious of those things. So in this week's episode, we talked about what that can kind of look like on a personal level. In next week's episode, what we are going, what we would like to do is have a conversation about some ways that you can avoid passing that trauma down to your children. And again, we'll be sharing some of our experiences because that's what we do in the SOS Queendom. We'll be sharing some of our experiences. So be sure to tune in next week so we can kind of have a conversation about that and offer you some tips and all that goodness. Yes. So yeah, Natty and I are going to get ready to get out of here again. Thank you guys so much for hanging with us, especially during this quarantine time, y'all, because y'all don't have to listen to us because I know a lot of people listen on the way to work, you know, and lots of people aren't going to work right now. So we appreciate you guys for continuing to tune in. We see you and we honor you. Thank Thank you, you. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate you guys so much. And like I said, tell your cousin and them to tune in too, because we want them to get this healing too. All right. All right. And if you found yourself in this conversation today, hit us up and let us know because we would love to know about it and help you through some of those things if you would like our support. All right. All right, guys. We are out of here. We'll see you right back here next week. Bye. Bye.